I am super excited to have you back for another episode of Red Receipt. It's a deep dive into the how and why of the brands we love and the creatives behind them. From blueprints to launch day, customers as community, and the detours in between. Big lessons and easy listening. Red Receipt is hosted by Antidote, the email and SMS marketing agency by people who hate boring email. Today on the show, we sit down with the founder and CEO of The Naked Market. After an impressive run in finance, Harrison wanted to do something to shake things up in life. He teamed up with two friends who shared a deep love for food, and together they built the antidote to an outdated food industry. Since launch day, they've created a range of healthy, feel-good food brands all under one roof. He catches up with us to talk about making the switch from finance to food, lessons learned along the way, and what's next for the way we eat. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the show. Yeah, I always love to start off by just asking for you to introduce yourself and then also to talk through maybe a little bit of your background before launching the naked market and uh how you how you came upon the idea so my name is is harrison fogman i am the uh founder of the naked market we are creating a portfolio of uh, socially driven and healthy food and beverage brands uh, we have launched three brands in the past year. One of them is called Flock Chicken Chips. Uh, one of them is called Avo Crazy Avocado Puffs. Uh, and one of them is called Beach House Bowls. Uh, we'll be launching another three brands uh, in, uh, in the near future. Uh, prior to starting the naked market, I, so I'm Canadian originally, uh, born and raised in Vancouver, went to McGill University. Uh, and following McGill, spent around seven years in finance, uh, all with Credit Suisse, uh, between New York, Hong Kong, and then most recently, uh, prior to starting the naked market, San Francisco. Uh, despite starting my my formal career in finance, entrepreneurship is is something that has been in my blood from a very young age, from uh, starting businesses in high school, uh, through college, and it was always top of mind to do something. It was just about finding uh, something that A, I was passionate about, B, was a, a big opportunity, and then C, doing it with a, a great group of uh, people. And uh, that's, that's how the, the naked market ultimately came, came to be. And what, what was the original idea behind the naked market? I find it fascinating that you guys are launching uh, so many brands under one umbrella, and that might be kind of counterintuitive to how most businesses are launched initially. Yeah, and and there's there's several moving moving parts to it. Um, I'd say you know first and and foremost, uh, all three of our co-founders are are health and and wellness maniacs. Uh, but the definition of healthy is is very different between the three of us. Uh, so you have one co-founder, uh, Tim, who's, uh, who's very you know, vegan. Uh, you have one co-founder, Alex, who's, who's more whole foods based. And then, uh, myself, who's, who's low, you know, low carb keto intermittent faster. Uh, and all three of us, uh, very displeased with 
the the offerings that cater towards um, you know our needs, but bigger picture, what what really are the, the the fastest growing diets in in America? So it's a pain point that that we all felt. Uh, and then when we we looked underneath the hood of, of what was going on in, in food and beverage and and what the right way to attack the industry was, uh, we really liked the the portfolio approach as as beyond there just being a lot of opportunity in uh, in in the industry. Uh, there's there's some unique characteristics where uh, you know food and beverage is is really a, a hits driven business in many ways, uh, and you get a pretty good feel pretty early on if if after you launch a brand, if it has real legs to succeed. Uh, and so we wanted to, to get several brands out there and monitor you know, what was showing traction and what was not. And for the brands that are showing traction, making sure we're putting uh, proper resources behind them and, and scaling them. And, and for the brands that aren't really pulling resources uh, away from them as, as you know, maybe it's just that the, the, the product market fit with consumers isn't, uh, isn't there today. And, uh, and so once you guys kind of identified the pain point or, or noticed the pain point, what, uh, what was the process like in, in terms of, did you guys raise money up front to, to launch the business? Uh, what do you guys do next in, in terms of moving toward launching the naked market? Yeah. So we, uh, we had, we're, you know, I say it, all the time. Like we're stereotypical millennials in a lot of ways and, and being dreamers is one of those. So you have a really challenging food and beverage industry and we think, all right, we're going to do a bunch of stuff in it, which is, you know, pretty crazy from the get go. Um, but, but we really like this brand factory model. Uh, and the more we diligence it, the more we think it's the right way to approach the industry. Spent a lot of time just diligencing the industry, meeting with different manufacturing partners, food time, food scientists, uh, other entrepreneurs, uh, to really get smart on on what we were doing. Uh, initially, put up a, a, a uh, the founders put up some capital uh, just to get the flywheel going to do this, uh, and then brought in uh, a few additional external financial partners uh, to get uh, to to get things going. And so that ultimately ended up being a a seed financing uh, of around just over $3 million. And uh, when you guys were doing the research out of curiosity, at that point, did you still, were you still working uh, in the finance industry and, and kind of like researching the industry at large to see if the opportunity was right? Um, I'd say it, it def we, got, we definitely caught wind of, of, of what we liked about it when we were all doing our, our current things. Um, just seeing the businesses uh, scaling in such a capital efficient manner and uh, a lot of the, 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 the new age successes. But we really didn't dive into it until you know, we'd, we'd all given up our, our respective previous responsibilities and spent just under a year diligencing, getting the pipeline going. Um, I think for us, when you take on a new task and a new task that's super big, you kind of got, you got to have like all hands on deck. Uh, it's got to occupy a hundred percent of your mind share. Uh, so the, the inklings were definitely there, um, you know, pre like while we had our old gigs. Uh, but, but the real work d doesn't start until, until you can really put a hundred percent of your mind share behind it. And, uh, and in terms of, of identifying the brands and products when you say when you say that the the 
and correct me if I'm using the wrong terms, but when you say the food industry, uh, or maybe the snack industry is like a hit based model. Do you mean that the brands are, are largely one product franchise based brands and that the, that the individual product that those brands are known for? One, one, I definitely agree with that. Uh, that, that isn't necessarily what I was insinuating. What I meant is when we look at the brands that we strive to follow in their footsteps, they generally uh, achieve a very high level of traction very early on uh, and, and gain, uh, gain share in a pretty monumental way. Uh, and, uh, and it's probably more, uh, art than, than science, but once something takes off, it, it really does, uh, does take off. Now, beyond that, you know, there, there's, there is another layer, which isn't necessarily what I, what I was addressing, where if you do broadly look at a lot of food and beverage companies, the, the mass majority of their revenue comes from, uh, from pretty special, uh, or, or pretty specific, uh, Skew. So the entering of new categories with existing brands, uh, broadly speaking, isn't uh, isn't a massively successful strategy. How did you guys select and identify the initial brands that you wanted to launch and the product categories that you were going to go into initially? Yeah. So it, it, it's important for us to test a bunch of different parts in food and beverage for this thesis to really play out. Uh, but there are broad parameters around everything we do. Um, you know, one in terms of, of the uh, the brands we create, we we look at categories that are big, uh, with scale incumbents and very concentrated market share. Uh, we then uh, attack those market leaders uh, using the, the the latest trends that they're not addressing, uh, and then we formulate products you know based off those categories and trends and 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 bring uh, and bring the brands to to market. So uh, with Avo Crazy. As the example, can you talk through the trends that you guys were seeing and what you felt like those incumbents might not have been addressing? Uh, absolutely. So you look at um, obviously salty snacks category, very big category, but then within that, uh, the puff market and, and the puff market in the U.S. traditional retail is a four plus billion dollar industry. Uh, and then within that, you have a very concentrated market leader, uh, which is Cheetos. Uh, and which you know, has in those same traditional stores, call it north of $2 billion in sales. Uh, but Cheetos isn't meeting the core drivers and of, of dietary trends in the U S right now, a la plant-based, uh, a la lower calorie, uh, and a la using trending ingredients. Uh, so there, you know, uh, hence Avo crazy is born. Uh, you have a plant-based puff. Uh, that is 100 calories per serving uh, and uses one of the hottest ingredients out there, avocados, you know, one of the most Instagram subject matters. Uh, and, uh, and that really brings it, brings it all together. Yeah, that's a fascinating and uh, simple way of, of looking at launching a new product. How did you guys initially go after uh, distributing the brand and even thinking about distribution? Yeah, right now uh, we're we're super econ heavy. Uh, that that wasn't the plan when uh, when we launched the business. You know, we definitely thought out of the gates it would be much more omni-channel in nature. Uh, 
but we've been really pleasantly surprised with the ability to build brands uh, on our direct-to-consumer website and, and leveraging some select third-party marketplaces. And, um, and in terms of, uh, in terms of learning and adjusting what you're doing while launching so many brands at once, um, I'm curious about a couple of different things. How have you guys structured the, the team in order to work across many different brands at one time? Uh, and was that part of yeah, so everyone, I mean, we're, we're a small team. Uh, everyone wears a bunch of different hats. Uh, and everyone generally has a, a, a focus that, uh, that's, that they leverage across all brands. So one thing that we're super excited about in our model, when, when I talk about the advantages of this portfolio approach, is the back-end synergies, right? So the digital marketing and performance marketing learnings from brand A are very applicable to brand B and very applicable to brand C, uh, especially when you benchmark them uh, against one another. And do you feel like, uh, do you feel like the direct to consumer route, albeit maybe wasn't the initial plan, but you're saying you're, you guys have been pleasantly surprised with the ability to launch and scale the brands uh, in a direct to consumer format. Do you feel like you you've been able to learn quicker from consumers directly in that manner? Oh yeah, With, without a doubt. the The feedback loop is so quick, uh, and the level of transparency you get from your consumers is is real. Uh, and you know, if you put something on the shelf at a at a you know regional or national grocer, you're just really not getting any meaningful data back on how customers are. Uh, are interacting with with your product and across the entire funnel you see uh you see what consumer how consumers what they think of what you're doing and it may be the rate at which they click through your ads it may be the rate at which they uh ultimately convert on your website and, and buy the product uh, and then beyond that once they buy it what you can you direct access to them where you can ask them hey what do you like and what do you not like uh and and then take the, that information and, and put it back into your model consi- to consistently being uh, in, improve, uh, improve your process and products. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I think too, like talk, hearing you talk through your original idea and the uh, three co-founders, you guys, the interest level in health and wellness. I'm curious to hear uh, kind of more on, on, that front in terms of like the mission behind the business. Can you talk through what was important to you guys to test both from the health and wellness side and from the uh, social aspects that you guys are building into the brands like um, health and well, I think, I think I'm just curious to hear more on that front because it is such like a, a mission-driven business. So th- there's a bunch of different pillars I I can and will touch on here. Uh, I'd say I'd start off with with starting my my career in finance. Uh, it was really important that what came next was something that I was uh, inherently proud of and and driving a positive uh, impact to to society. And when we look at the positive impact, I really break it down in, in two ways. And it's what is the actual 
product doing to uh, people's day-to-day lives? Uh, and then what are you doing beyond the product uh, to, to affect day-to-day lives? Uh, so starting with, with, all right, what do our products do is our products are all undisputably healthier than what is out there. Uh, and, and the massive benefits of uh, healthy and, and balanced eating uh, are, uh, are, are super, I think, so well-known and, and something we can, we can all um, uh, agree on, 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 on the benefits through. So, so making sure that, that we are encouraging that, uh, that, that healthy and, and balanced eating through, through the products that, that we create. And then secondarily, it's, all right, how do we drive positive change just beyond, all right, promoting that, that healthy lifestyle through the actual nutritional profile of it. Uh, and, uh, and that's where we tie each brand to a unique, uh, charitable cause, uh, a la, you know, flock with a, a, a one plus one program, uh, where we're for every, uh, case we sell, we donate a meal to a, a, a family in, in need. Um, and, and, you know, by, by, um, by rolling this out in, in what we do, it just, it puts, it, it just really gets us excited about waking up every day and, uh, and knowing that, that, uh, you know, we're having, we're having real, real effect out there, even if we're just a snack company. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I find that part, like, uh, I feel like that's definitely a, uh, an, a huge aspect of the brands that you see in all of like the mass grocery retail chains that is missing. And I think like in the beginning of my career, I might've felt like those social pushes that brands were making were more like, uh, gimmicky in a way. But as I get older, I feel like it is, uh, I feel like it's so much more connected to the motivation behind the brand and also like the enjoyment of building these businesses and, uh, every, everything that people talk about in terms of the why behind the business, like it all makes perfect sense and connects back to why you guys even got into the space and made a huge career change, uh, in general. What do you, what do you think some of the early learnings have been, since launching three brands in such a short period of time uh, that you might not have expected up front uh, when you first start, kind of had the thesis of, of launching the umbrella company? Yeah. The, the first thing that comes to mind there is, is just the power of getting products into customers' hands uh, and getting that feedback that, that we spoke about before. And you can sit there and overanalyze everything in, you know, a boardroom or office or bedroom or whatever. But until you ultimately get something into market and have the product go through the entire, have the consumer go through the entire uh, product discovery and and purchase journey, uh, that's really where, where the big, uh, the big learnings are, uh, are, are going to come from. So yeah, that answers your question. Yeah, that does. Uh, how do you, how do you guys, uh, knowing that you do have such a small feedback loop, how have you guys stayed open to adjusting to that feedback? And do you guys have like a process that you've developed or use in order to be constantly adjusting your approach based on the, the consumer feedback? 
consumers have a voice. So we just ask it. It can be via post-purchase surveys. It can be uh, via uh, campaign emails or, 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 or such. Uh, we just ask and, and people are, are more than happy to share. And then we can aggregate all their feedback and all their data and, uh, and have meaningful uh, inputs behind the decisions we make. So we're not polling 10 or 20 friends and saying, Hey, you know, how do you think this product tastes? Does it need more seasoning or less? We can go and go and get thousands of, um, uh, of what we view unbiased, uh, real time, uh, real time commentary on, on, on what we're doing. And did, did any of the co-founders have a background in food and beverage? Uh, so Tim uh, started a business called Happy Fresh, which is like the Instacart of Southeast Asia. Uh, so he he knows the the grocery uh, and CPG and and uh, you know broader consumer online acquisition world uh, very well. Uh, and then Alex has a a, a really cool background of, of working. Uh, both with some some really exciting new age startups, uh, including one of his own, uh, and uh, and then also some Fortune 500 experience. That's awesome. We, we all come at it with with very different backgrounds. We're all good buddies, and it's and, a lot of fun. And how have you guys uh, how have you guys developed or approached developing the product? Like, have you brought in outside uh, help to to formulate the product? Yeah, we we have food scientists who who um, who take the charge on uh, on all of our brands, and uh, they've got we've got some amazing partners who who are just so smart and, and good at, at at what they do, and uh, it's fortunately led to uh, to some killer both brands in the market, but our our pipeline as well, which uh, which we're equally excited about. How how uh, how many brands are you guys targeting to launch? We, the initial plan was we were going to do six, uh, and now we'll be doing uh, we'll be doing more than that. Wow! Um, from the creative standpoint, uh, I'd imagine that that's a lot of heavy lifting to develop that many brands. Have you guys been developing the branding and the creative direction for the businesses internally, also? Yeah, we've got a, a great. Uh, creative process uh which is uh very heavily leaned on internally with a few select external partners but that's one thing that uh that we we really streamline through uh to make sure that we're not we're, we're putting out uh well uh you know very strong visual and authentic brands uh and doing so in a capital efficient way uh as we can't, yeah, we can't just be blowing it out on, on every brand from yeah. uh, the spend perspective. Yeah, I, I totally understand. I, uh, I totally understand. And then in terms of building communities around those brands, what, it, what has it been like for you? Uh, I'm assuming social media is a big way that you've gotten the word out about the product and the brands themselves. How have you guys approached building communities around so many brands at once as well? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a great question. Uh, I, I think what's, what's super cool about if, if you launch a brand that has a true unique 
value proposition to consumers and it's something that they are not finding elsewhere. Um, the, the, the product is inherently the strongest way to build a community and, and for people to, uh, to, to rally around that. Uh, so it's, it's really just been about leveraging every social channel to get the message out there and, and have people try this, uh, because if they try it and if they love it, then, uh, they're really going to, uh, to, to get behind it. And how quickly, like how, how long is the process for you guys from identifying, uh, a category or a product that you want to develop and a new brand that you want to develop to the, to actually launching? It seems like you're, philosophy with the uh, portfolio approach is really testing rapidly and finding success that you can put more resources behind. Exactly. Uh, every, every brand is different. Uh, I mean, there's brands that we can do in months. Uh, there's brands that, that take much longer than that. Uh, a lot of that has to do with the, how far down the innovation uh, scale we go and how well those products align with the current manufacturing landscape. Uh, and, and so, but, but gen, like we, we move very, very quickly. And, uh, and with moving quickly, like how do you, um, how do you manage your own expectations and the team's expectations in order to be able to make changes rapidly like let's say a brand doesn't get as much traction as you guys had hoped in the beginning like how quickly are you making decisions and uh pivoting resources behind the businesses that you're seeing do really well from the launch uh yeah those decisions are 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 made much more quickly than i think one one would assume uh we we stay pretty true to uh to if, if the data isn't blowing us out of the water, we're not going to try and put a square peg into a round hole. Do you feel like, uh, to me, that's like a, I feel like that's a, uh, a great idea of a way to approach a business, but do you feel like you've had to, um, maybe over communicate your stance on that point to the team internally and or the investor group that you guys have like i feel like people people would love to do that in theory but then in practice like obviously the team gets attached to things that they've built or investors get worried that you uh are letting go of something too soon like what has that been like are uh one, we're, we're just wildly clear about what we're doing. Uh, so whether it's investors, team members, they know. And I think that's what a lot of the appeal is because not many people are out there doing this. Uh, and, and funny enough, it's actually the flip point where I would say a lot of the people's biggest concerns are that, we, are that we would hang on for something too long. So they want to see the ripcord pulled. And, and we get that there will be misses in that, right? And there is the potential that we pull the plug on something too early. Uh, but the belief is that, that, the, um, the, that the winners should drastically offset 
that potential, you know, left market share on, uh, on the table. I feel like that's pretty freeing in some ways, like having the ability to move and shift as you see the business developing. And yeah, it's, 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 it's fun. Um, it's definitely a, a bit of a polarizing business model. Uh, I think it helped, uh, that we actually, sh- our, we, sh- our, we shut down our first brand. Right, so our first brand didn't make it probably more than six, eight weeks. Uh, six to eight weeks. And, what, yeah. what was that experience like? Like, <laughs> we, we 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 launched a, a, a secondary brand, and it was it was it blew every metric out of the water. Uh, and then the third brand was was very similar, uh, and so we knew like this is. You know, this is what we were playing for. And when we wrote, you know, our kind of Q1 uh, 2020 update, uh, uh, the, I think the first line was like, we came into this business with a thesis. We're a few months in and we think this thesis is everything we want to see from it. We're seeing, uh, and, and that's, you know, now we're call it nine ish months in and that's continuing to, to play out uh, eight months in. Uh, but then again, the hedge that all founders need to, to, to have is like, it's still really early and we still could be dead wrong. Uh, <laughs> but I really like what we are seeing as a team. That's awesome. I'm, I'm curious too, just like how between the three co-founders, how, how do you guys, or how do you feel like you guys have developed such open communication to be, uh, to be really blunt about when things are not going the way that you want to see it and just like continuing that communication style with each other. Yeah. We, we, so, I mean, numbers speak, uh, I, I think a, all of us are like friends and we've known each other for years and we all have very complementary skill sets. Uh, and as much as, you know, we all wear a bunch of different hats, you know, I think we all respect everyone's roles within the business. Uh, and, and we just need to, every, everything we do, we need to back up with, uh, with data and every decision we make needs to have a serious level of depth behind it. Uh, and so it makes these decisions, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to say easy, but they're just, well, everything we've done seems logical to, to the point, uh, and the mistakes we have made, like we also understand why we've made those mistakes. Uh, I definitely don't want it to seem like we're, you know, we think we're perfect because we're not, we make. Uh, this model is a, is a mistake embracing model, the model uh, business model of mistakes, but is understanding why we make them and, and, and not, and, and not making them again. And what do you mean when you say this business model is about embracing mistakes? Uh, to, to tie it back to something we talked about with the customer feedback loop, uh, when you don't spend an, Oh, uh, like a, a overwhelming amount of time in a conference room over, you know, testing the product, then, you know, you very well may launch something that is too light on seasoning or, uh, or too heavy on seasoning. And so just to get that feedback and say, all right, like it's definitely hit our threshold where we were off on that, make the change. And, uh, it could be the same thing with, with flavors. Uh, so not, you know, sitting there pointing fingers in, uh, in the room, but, uh, but just saying, all right, like got it wrong, make the adjustment, 
and move on. Yeah, I I always say this recently, and it was something that I feel like when I uh, was starting my career, I didn't want to be true, uh, and I might have even believed the opposite. But I I have learned over the years that uh, action beats strategy every time, and I used to think that uh, it was the opposite, but now I feel like even talking through your business model to me, it's freeing in a sense, because instead of getting too wrapped up in the theory of, of things, even though you are being extremely intentional with decisions, and I don't mean that, uh, you shouldn't be, but, um, that at a certain point you have to just put ideas out into the world and then learn quickly from what you're hearing directly from people. Exactly. And and so there was a wild amount of time put into developing the framework of how we launch a brand, right? And what is it, the type of brand we launched that I briefly touched on with, with the avocado pop thing, and it goes far beyond that. And as long as everything fits within that framework, the category framework, the trend framework and beyond, then it's all about getting it out the door, right? And it's all about action. Uh, so like really overemphasizing on strategy in uh, in in the early in the early days to to create the direction of the company and then driving through with with action and then every so often lifting our heads up and doing like a refresh of analysis and like is is this does this model need to be adjusted or do we want to keep keep chugging on and and I love that leading with action over over strategy and probably something that I'm going to need to uh, to steal from you yeah I mean I feel like that's like a weakness of mine not not in reality but kind of like I feel like everyone loves working on strategies it's like it's more interesting it's more intellectually like challenging in a way and then you can put off the action which is like the hard work of it until later uh but i feel like every time i've been around and uh met with other successful entrepreneurs like the stories you always hear is that like you didn't expect something when you are still in the boardroom and that the real learning happens once you're doing. So I just think reminding myself <clears throat> and the people around me all the time, like it's great to make mistakes as long as you're learning all the time and just like focus on doing instead of getting stuck inside of your head is a great thing to remind me of daily. No, us as well. We're, we're, com we're completely aligned. <laughs> Uh, aligned on that and and i can't tell you how many things that we haven't thought the things that we thought in the boardroom that weren't uh true in uh in reality at once once we got things out there and, and that has to do with like even the success of products and where the success would be uh and i'm probably the most wrong at the company <laughs> but as long as long as it fits within the framework uh, that there's no debating whether or not it goes out the door. It goes out the door. Yeah, that's that's uh, fascinating too. Um, what do you feel like? There's anything that you've learned over the past uh, over the since coming up with the idea to launch and throughout launching the three first brands. Do you feel like there's anything that you've learned over the course of that time that you wish you would have known at the beginning, and or that would have made the course that you've taken so far a bit easier? Uh, yeah, I, I think that, that 
we, for the first, you know, just under a year of the business before we started launching brands, uh, we probably were too heavy on strategy and too light on action. Uh, and I think part of that was I'd, I'd left this career in finance and I needed the first one to be right and to be perfect. Uh, and so I, you know, I'd say that uh, another example of me being wrong, uh, the other guys were really pushing go. And I was like, strategy, perfect, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's a bunch of stuff I wish we, we just had launched earlier. Uh, and yeah, but we're talking in the grand scheme of things, just a few months and, uh, and very happy with, with where it all is now. So that's, that's definitely one of the, the big learn, learnings. And, uh, and along with that, like, have you changed, I guess maybe just reminding yourself of that fact would be helpful over time. Are there, I know you're, you said you guys are working on launching a few more brands over the next year. Um, assuming you can't talk through some of those things, but are, are there, uh, are there things you have coming up later this year that you're super excited about for the brands that you've already launched or, yeah, I think when when we look at the at the future of of our portfolio, it's it's going to be a combination of testing new areas that uh, that we feel really strongly about, based off of of how the data kind of flows into uh, into into that aforementioned framework. Uh, you know, an attacking breakfast is one of them, and we've got a really cool brand called Project Breakfast, which is launching soon. Uh, and then, uh, the other half is, is about, uh, looking at, uh, what we've done thus far with our brands and what's worked and what hasn't and, uh, and, and driving off of those. Uh, so it'll be, you know, a continuation of, of attacking new, new, new categories, uh, but also building on the, the brands and categories that, uh, that, that we, we, we've seen great traction in. Uh, I'm curious how you, uh, approach managing yourself in terms of both having a long-term focused view and vision for the portfolio as a whole versus the day-to-day stress and needs of the business immediately. Yeah. The, the, there's a massive over index on long-term value creation with us, uh, you know, as, as alluded to, you know, started with three friends, you know, I think we all view this as, you know, hopefully the end for us. Uh, and so, you know, we, we don't really care. And it's probably bad to say, we don't, we just don't care about, uh, about the near term. Like it's all about, uh, you know, beyond 12, 18, 24, 36 months. And it's funny I say that because we're making very short term decisions but those short-term decisions are based off of what we think will ultimately drive the most value creation over extended periods of time. Um, so I realized that, that that statement probably sounds uh, wildly conflicting. I mean, I, 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 it does sound conflicting, but I totally understand what you're saying. I'm curious, how do you guys pull yourself back to have the long-term focus? I think it's as simple as, as if you do look at the data and, and you see where it, where it's really outperforming, but then you do need to take a step back and say, do we see this in every gas station in America? Or do we see this in every major national retailer in America? 
or do we think that this is something very niche? And, and so a big part of how we pull that data together is, is making sure that we're not just focused on, uh, on one specific uh, consumer group, right? So not just going like super long into the keto community and having something that doesn't resonate with anyone else because then you're not going to scale. You're not going to be at every grocery in America. That makes perfect sense because I get the sense that you are very long-term focused. And I, uh, my curiosity was around like the fact that you guys are friends, um, how you stay focused on the long-term vision and also cultivate the direct honesty that you need in order to stay true to that vision and not get too wrapped up in the short-term uh, stress of the day-to-day of the business. If that makes sense. Yeah, totally does. I feel like I've gotten everything that we need and uh, definitely enjoyed talking through the thesis behind the business. I, uh, I'm curious to watch as you guys launch more brands and to see the trajectory of everything uh, and love the brands that you guys have developed so far. Thank you very much, man. Appreciate the uh, having me on and, and the line of questioning. And yeah. Bread receipt, bread receipt, bread receipt.